1: Water in the court Be
2: seated
0: And now, it's Talk Law Radio with Todd Marquart.
1: Welcome to Talk Law Radio. I'm your host, Todd Marquart, here on 930 AM The Answer. And Apple Podcasts, well, podcasts everywhere. And you can find previous episodes streaming on talklawradio.com. You can interact with me during the show today by calling the radio station at 210 308 8867, that's 210-308-8867, or you can email me during the show today at host at talklawradio.com. That's H-O-S-T at talklawradio.com. Our sponsor today is Marquardt Law Firm, and attorneys at Marquardt Law Firm focus on business and estate law including last wills, living trusts, and tax-protected inheritance plans. Also, new businesses and old businesses, which might have issues with corporations, contracts, LLCs, family-limited partnerships. And we can represent those who are facing problems from lack of planning, like in county court, district court, or probate court. The State Bar of Texas is the state agency that governs attorney law licenses, and the State Bar wants attorneys to inform the public about the law. But because legal advice must be tailored to the specific circumstances of each case, and because laws are ever-changing, material discussed in this program is meant for general informational purposes only and is not to be construed as tax, legal, or investment advice. Although the information has been gathered from sources believed to be reliable, please note that individual situations can vary. Therefore, the information should be relied upon only when coordinated with your individual professional advice. Before we get started talking about the law, let's begin with prayer. Dear God, thank you for this day. Thank you for all the gifts and blessings that you give to us. Please forgive us for our sins, for our mistakes, for doing the wrong thing or failing to carry out your will. Please help me give good information to the listeners About last will and testament today. Help us to use the gifts and talents you have provided for the good of your people, for our own good, and for your glory. In Jesus' name, amen. Now it's time to discover your legal issue blind spots by listening to me talk about the law on the radio. And today we're going to be talking about the law of last will and testament, handwritten or typed. Does it matter? Yes. Why? You'll find out. So, again, if you have questions about your last will and testament or about somebody else's last will and testament, or you're just curious, give us a call here at the radio station at 210-308-8867, and I can answer your question live on the air. Or if you email me at host at talklawradio.com, I'll read your question live on the air, and you can remain anonymous. Or you can post a comment in the Facebook live feed, and I will try and pick that up and, and read it aloud on the air and answer it as well. So today's going to be a great show. We're going to be talking about Last Will and Testament, Typed. Or handwritten, and so um, I also wanted to mention that today this show is my 141st unique episode. While I've been on the air every week for over three years, some of those weeks I air reruns because I go out of town or I'm hunting or uh, doing other stuff with family. Um, but 140. One, unique episodes. Some of our programming is me talking about the law, like today, and some of our programming is an interview of another attorney who focuses on an area of law that I'm not so focused. If you know an attorney that would be great on the radio, have them call me or have them email me. That's probably better at host at talklawradio.com and I'd love to interview them on the radio and talk about the law. But my favorite programming is our Law and Gospel series. And I don't, I don't have a lot of those episodes, but um, I, I would like to do more. I got the idea for the Law and Gospel series because sermons at my church always include both the Old Testament, which we consider to be the law, and then. The New Testament, which is the gospel. So when Talk Law Radio gives a program about law and gospel, we talk about the law of the United States and the state of Texas and statutes, court cases, and agency regulations. I like to talk about what the current law requires us to do or forbids us against doing, and then talk about what the Bible says that Christians should do or should not do based on the teachings of Jesus Christ, God's Son, our Lord. I have done long gospel shows about divorce, end of life, immigration, charging interest on loans, estrangement, and abortion. And last week I did a show on adoption, and you should check that out. You can watch it again on Facebook Live, or you can go to YouTube That's another place where you can watch my shows, and uh, the YouTube videos are broken into four segments, so if you have uh, 10 minutes to eat a sandwich, you might as well watch a YouTube video uh, about adoption. It was a very moving episode. I feel very blessed to have uh, gotten the chance to do that, so... Uh, if you're not familiar with me, I'm Todd Marquart. I'm a lawyer here in Texas. I'm also licensed in New Mexico and because that's where I'm from. I went to St. Mary's University School of Law here in San Antonio, graduated in 2006. So I've been practicing about 16 years, and uh, I worked for a, an estate planning attorney Uh, many moons ago and then started my own practice. And now we have me plus two full-time attorneys and two part-time attorneys. Uh, We have a support staff and we focus on business and estate law, elder law, trust administration and probate. Also guardianship, also uh, adoptions. Um, Two of our Attorneys uh, are familiar with adoption. If if you're interested in that, so uh, let's define the what is the proper definition of estate planning. Well, when we work with somebody, we want to accomplish these things, and we think you'll agree that these are necessary components of a good estate plan. For you to control your property while you're alive take care of you and your loved ones if you become disabled or incapacitated, and give what you have to who you want, the way you want, when you want. And furthermore, if you can, you want to save every tax dollar and professional fee and court costs legally possible. You agree with that definition? If you want to give us your definition, give us a call at 210 308 8867 or email me at host at talklawradio.com or post your comment in the Facebook live feed. We're talking about wills, last will and testament. Should it be typed or can it be handwritten? Does it matter? Yes, it does matter and I'll tell you why after we take a break. But first, I also wanted to give another definition of wills. Let's see if I can find it before I have to cut to commercial. Oh, there it is. Uh, In the Texas Estates Code, uh, section 22.034, it says, will includes a codicil and a testamentary instrument that merely appoints an executor or guardian to directs how property may be disposed of or revokes another will so those are some component parts of what a will is we got to take a break when we come back i'll be answering the question about why does it matter handwritten or typed
2: Wanting to learn about a will or a trust But haven't gotten around to it Now is the perfect time to learn about This vital information The attorneys at Marquardt Law Firm Focus on business and estate law Including last wills, living trusts And tax protected inheritance plans We educate our children So that they're prepared for the future Call Marquardt Law Firm at 210-530-4278 To show your family That you are prepared for the future (laughs)
1: We got a call during the break, and so um, we were a little distracted, but I'm Todd Marcourt. This is Talk Law Radio on 930 AM The Answer, and we're talking about wills, last will and testament, and uh, somebody's calling in, so we'll see what their question is, but I was telling you the definition of a will. We talked about the definition of proper estate planning, and... um, there's something else that you might want to know. The basic requirements of a will are: it must identify the person who's making the will. So, if you're making the will, you have to say that you're making a will, and and who you are. You have to say you, you can't just say, um, "I leave everything to my dog Lexi," and and not have your name anywhere there because that would be very confusing. has to name the testator. That, that's the legal word for the person who's writing the last will and testament. It must be written with testamentary intent. I'm going to go over this quite a bit uh, because one of the challenges with a handwritten will is that uh, people use their own words instead of legal words when they're writing it and there's, uh, I'm going to go through several court cases where we we discuss what is testamentary intent, and uh, the reason these these uh, court cases exist is because some people messed up, and what they wrote was not necessarily considered to be a will, it wasn't legally valid, or enforceable. Um, next, the testator must have testamentary capacity that. That means that they have to understand that they're making a will, among other things. They have to be over the age of 18, of sound mind, and the will must be executed with formalities. So we'll, t- we'll talk about the different formalities for handwritten wills and the different formalities for typed wills. Okay, let's go back um, Proper definition of estate planning, if you're just tuning in, I want to control my property while I'm alive, take care of me and my loved ones if I become disabled, give what I have to who I want, the way I want, when I want. Furthermore, if I can, I want to save every tax dollar, professional fee, and court cost legally possible. Okay. We're going to be talking about wills, why do we need a will, so that your wishes and your legacy are legally enforceable, so that your affairs are in order to make administration of your estate easier and less expensive for your beneficiaries. So naming the executor is part of it. This is the person that's going to be wrapping up your affairs. And by the way, just a side note about executors – if you name somebody to be executor, um, what you're doing is you're really nominating them. The court still has to approve that person, and some people are not approved to serve as executor. And you might not know whether the person you've named has committed any felonies, um, but the court will find out because the they do background checks on the exec, executors. So you want to make sure that you know the people that you're naming. And if you don't know anybody, if you don't have friends or family that you trust, um, you can love somebody dearly and have no trust that they will do what they're going to say that they do. So um, then you might name a trust company, a bank, um, some professional like an attorney or a certified public accountant, uh, a lot of those professionals uh, have the the skills to do what needs to be done, wrapping up your affairs, paying your bills, and distributing what's left to the beneficiaries. Okay, the, also in a will uh, is where you make gifts to beneficiaries that take effect upon death. So I like to think of who do you give gifts to at Christmas time? Who do you give birthday gifts to? Those might be the same people that you name in your will. Okay, so let's keep going. Also part of an estate plan, uh, an estate plan is more than just a will because your body is part of your estate, and you want to take care of your, your estate while you're alive, including your body. And if you become disabled or incapacitated, then you need to give somebody permission to take care of you and your financial affairs and your medical and health care decisions. And you have to give written permission so that so that um, banks and financial institutions will honor the uh, the questions and instructions that that are given by the person that's claiming to be your power of attorney agent. And also something has to be in well, it doesn't for medical and health care, it's a little more complex. Um, if you don't have a written medical power of attorney, there is a, a backup statute that says um, who is allowed to make decisions for you. And there's a, a list of de- categories of people that, that can do that. And uh, doctors will pretty much listen to anybody on that list. It's just who gets there first, and and who can convince medical and healthcare professionals that they're doing uh, acting the way that you would want them to do. But in any case, let me let me run down this list. Um, in addition to the will, you also want to have a durable power of attorney. That's where you name someone you trust to make financial and legal decisions. A medical power of attorney, that's where you get to name someone you trust to make medical and healthcare decisions. I like to include a HIPAA authorization. HIPAA stands for Health Insurance Portability and Accountability Act, that's H I P A A. So um, that gives physicians and healthcare professionals. Uh, authority to discuss your medical and health care information to uh, people that you decide. So, um, again, if you have questions about this stuff, you can call the radio station at 210-308-8867. You can email me right now if you want to at host at talklawradio.com. That's H-O-S-T at talklawradio.com. Or you can post a comment in the Facebook live feed. I'm just going to check my email right now and see if anybody emailed me. Uh, Not yet, but I'm still standing by. Okay, in addition to the will, the durable power of attorney, the medical power of attorney, the HIPAA authorization, I also suggest directive to physicians. That's where you get to name, well, no, that's where you get to decide in advance if you have a strong preference that you don't that that you want to withhold or, or discontinue life support or you want to be kept alive in the event that you're terminally or irreversibly ill or injured. So that's what's known as the living will. Uh, I don't like to call it that because in Texas in the statute book they call it directive to physicians, and that way it doesn't get confused with the last will or the living trust. <laughs> so we have last will, living trust, or living will. So I don't like to use that, that terminology. I like to call it what it is, what the mm-hmm. legislature calls it. Okay, so remember uh, we're talking about last wills today. And the question is, to be or not to be? No, that's a a joke. That's my joke. Ha ha. No, the question is, typed or handwritten? Does it matter? Yes. One of the reasons why it matters is because testamentary intent. Um, Now, I guess we have to make a further distinction because I'm assuming that if it's typed written, this is typed by an attorney, yeah, it's something that uh, already has a presumption of legality. But if you type your own will in your own words, then you could probably make a lot of these same mistakes. It's just that when somebody handwrites a will, uh, it's, it's almost always using the wrong words. And the meaning of words matter. So that's how we communicate with each other. You know, using speech or writing, and so that's why words matter. If, if, you, if you don't say what you mean or mean what you say, then you're going to cause confusion. Now, any married man will admit to that. So um, we're going to answer the question, typed or handwritten. Well, part of the concern is testamentary intent. And let me back up just a second. Why does this all matter? Why am I giving this information today? Because um, the the assumption behind all of this is that you want to give your assets to someone upon your death. And uh, do you want how how important is it for your affairs to be in order and for your gifts to be given to the people that you've chosen and to be given in the way that you intend? Is it very important for that to be correct? Is it somewhat important for that to be correct? Or is this something that doesn't really matter? That's what you have to ask yourself first is how much effort and time and resources are you going to put into making sure that your will is correct? Okay, next Testamentary intent. Um, That's something that judges and courts have been interpreting since uh, wills were probably ever uh, understood. Um, But I'm going to begin with 1955. That's when uh, two members of the same family, Henson versus Henson, uh, went to court. So the issue in this court case is whether the words used in a writing which began with supplementary to my last will, whether that was intended to modify or revoke the provisions of a typewritten document purporting to be a last will. So the law on this uh, that the, the judge wrote in the opinion is in part an instrument is not a will, unless it is executed with testamentary intent. The animus testandi, that's Latin, does not depend upon the maker's realization that he is making a will or upon his designation of the instrument as a will, but upon his intention to create a revocable disposition of his property to take effect after his death. It is essential, however that the maker shall have intended to express his testamentary wishes in the particular instrument offered for probate. So how do we make our intentions known? Well, you communicate. And one way to communicate is to say it, um, but everybody forgets what you said, or they, they remember only part of what you said. And so when you put it in writing... Well, you can see clearly what it says, but the words that you use matter, and we'll talk more about why words matter, why the definition of words matters after this break. Then we'll continue talking about last wills, should they be typed, should they be handwritten, and who should type them. So stay tuned. Talk Law Radio. I'm your host Todd Marquart here on 9:30 a.m. The Answer, also on podcasts everywhere and Facebook Live and YouTube. Uh, if you subscribe to our YouTube channel, you can click the little bell so you get notifications when those videos are uploaded. Uh, the YouTube videos are cut into four segments so that you can spend less time learning about the law and maybe just do that on your break or when you're uh, cooking or hopefully not when you're driving. (laughs) That would be podcasts, but you can search for podcasts everywhere. And you can find previous episodes also on TalkLawRadio.com. So today, we're here to help you listen and learn about your legal issue blind spots by listening to me talk about the law on the radio. And today we're talking about last wills, should they be typed or should they be handwritten? And I'll further clarify that when they're typed, I, I would recommend that they be typed by a competent legal professional. Of course, you could probably pay your attorney to handwrite it, but that doesn't that doesn't do much for you. Then it's more like ty- the, typed than handwritten. I'll clarify that too. So um, the reason that someone would handwrite their will might be because a uh, handwritten will in the law is called holographic. I don't like that word because um, I don't think many people know what it means, so I just say handwritten. Uh, the requirements of a handwritten will uh, do not include witnesses if it's entirely in your handwriting. So there are some court cases out there where uh, some somebody else handwrites it and you sign it, well, the, the law would consider that to be the same as a typed will. So I digress. We were talking about testamentary intent, and... There was this uh, court case that we were going over, and so uh, what happened is the deceased person had a typed last will and then had another writing that was titled Supplementary to My Last Will. And so the court was uh, called to rule on whether that handwritten part was a codicil, the word codicil really just means amendment. So a codicil is an amendment to a will. And the court found, in this case, that the handwritten instrument was not a valid codicil or a will. The court concluded that the handwritten instrument, which began with the words supplementary to my last will, was not intended as to modify or revoke the provisions of the typed instrument that the court said the deceased person wrote um, those things um, didn't include testamentary intent. The reasoning was the writing could not be a codicil. was not intended as a declaration of the manner in which he would have his property pass and vest at his death, but was only for the purpose of informing his wife that he had executed a will, and to tell her where to find it, and there were further statements that were merely suggestions and advice as to how to manage his estate, which he had attempted to devise by his prior will. So you're probably wondering, how did the judge know what this deceased man really intended? Well, the, the court wasn't there when this man hand-wrote these things, And so the way that the court figures out what his intention is, is by reading the words on the page. Uh, Sometimes the court will say, this is the four corners rule. We, We can't interpret what the document means within the four corners of the document. So this is another example of why words matter. Okay, there's a... Uh, some other cases, but let me go into some detail about what I like to include in a will. I like to include family. Uh, it's important that everybody uh, remember or or recognize that you remembered who was related to you. That's part of testamentary capacity: is knowing in your mind who the natural objects of your bounty are, what that phrase has come to mean as uh, defined by the courts are family members or friends, people that um, you would naturally want to benefit after you pass away. So we like to list those people out in the will somewhere. So that will help to minimize a will contest or at least somebody from alleging that you didn't know what you were doing because you didn't even remember who is related to you. Another question, do you want to include afterborn or adopted children in your last will? So, if if you make a will and you name your firstborn child in the will in this family section and and you say you want everything to go to your children, well, that would include that person. But what happens if you have, if after the day that you sign that will, you have other children? And uh, tragically, God forbid, maybe you pass away, and those children born after the day you signed the will are not mentioned in the will. Are, Are they just left out? Well, there's a a legal principle called preterminated children uh, that that would help them make a claim that you would have wanted them to be uh, beneficiaries of your will. Uh, But let's say maybe uh, you raised the firstborn child and uh, started a relationship with somebody else had children with that other person, um, but then never spent much time with those children? Uh, Is the law going to presume that you would have wanted those children in your will? And the answer is probably yes. So that's why it's important to update your will, because you can name whoever you want. You don't have to leave anything to your children if you don't want to. But... The law has these presumptions in place because some people don't make a will, and so the property has to go somewhere. And uh, I like to say if you don't have a will, uh, the state of Texas wrote one for you. You just don't get to decide what it says (laughs) because it's already in the law. The lawmakers decided that for you. Another question, uh, would you consider your stepchildren – to be uh, the same as biological children? Would you want them to receive something in your will? Well, the law does not presume that you would leave anything to a stepchild. So if you have love and affection for a stepchild and you wanna leave them a gift upon your death, you have to put that in a will. So these are some things that people often forget when they're handwriting their will. And so um, you come up with these ideas by talking to a professional about what's important to you because you might not remember these things. Okay, here's another question. Do you want children born from frozen embryos after your death to receive an inheritance? I don't run into that question a lot, but if you have uh, donated genetic material— and you want those future born children to receive an inheritance from you, then there's special things that you need to write in your will. Do you want to disinherit somebody? Do you have pets? Um I forgot to mention, Mark, that um Lexi the Law Dog is here with us today and when I start talking about the law, she goes to sleep. <laughs> I don't know why. Uh, she's just not interested. Uh, the trainer at PetSmart says that uh, Lexi and other dogs don't speak a lot of English, <laughs> so they don't they don't know a lot about what you're saying. Uh, Lexi would prefer that I use hand signals when trying to figure out what I'm trying to get her to do. Um, she's much more behaved now. Uh, the those last those first couple episodes that. Uh, We had when I brought her to the station. Um, She was quite restless. And uh, I hope that you stay tuned all the way to the end of the show because our legacy segment is going to be with Lexi. I'm hoping to sit her in the chair next to me. Hopefully she'll stay put. I want to ask her some direct questions about how she wants to be remembered. That's in our legacy segment. We'll see how it goes. This is not rehearsed. This is going to be live on Facebook, so if you want to see how Lexi reacts to the legacy segment of the show, you have to stay tuned to the end. Uh, We have to take another break, uh, but when we come back, I'll be talking about some issues with specific gifts. A lot of people mess this up when they're handwriting a will, so I want to Uh, give some information out there about those hidden legal issue blind spots stay tuned
2: Wanting to learn about a will or a trust but haven't gotten around to it? Now is the perfect time to learn about this vital information. The attorneys at Marcourt Law Firm focus on business and estate law, including last wills, living trusts, and tax protected inheritance plans. We educate our children so that they're prepared for the future. Call Marcourt Law Firm at 210 530 4278 to show your family that you are prepared for the future.
1: Welcome back to Talk Law Radio. I'm Todd Markwart, and we're here on 9:30 a.m. The Answer, AM Radio KLUP, 9:30 uh, a.m. And also we're on Facebook Live. Mark, can you get Lexi in the shot, or is she too low? Okay, you got her. Lexi is here with me, Lexi Law Dog. She's here with me to to talk about her legacy. Um, but first I wanted to mention some other things about uh, what to watch out for if, if someone has a handwritten will. Okay, so the specific gifts section is something that sometimes people get, get wrong. So which specific things, tangible personal property, would you leave to specific people? This is considered to be a legacy of personal property. It does not include any contents unless the will directs that. So this is like if you have a cedar chest and you want the cedar chest to go to maybe your daughter. Well, there might be stuff in the cedar chest, and the law doesn't presume that the person you're giving the cedar chest to will receive the contents. You have to specifically say that. And likewise... A devise of real property does not include any personal property located on or associated with the real property or any contents of personal property located on the real property unless the will directs that the personal property or contents are included in the devise. So if you want somebody to receive your house, it's not presumed that they would also receive all of the personal property inside you have to specifically say that. So then let's def- define the word contents. If you say that I give the contents of my home to so and so, contents means tangible personal property other than titled personal property found inside of or on a specifically bequeathed or devised item. The term includes clothing, pictures, furniture coin collections, and other items of tangible personal property that do not require formal transfer of title and that are located in another item of tangible personal property, such as a cedar chest or other furniture. So I mentioned that titled personal property is not considered to be contents, so let's define titled personal property. It includes all tangible personal property represented by a certificate of title, certificate of ownership, written label, marking, or designation that signifies ownership by a person. The term includes a motor vehicle, motor home, motor boat, or other similar property that requires a formal transfer of title. Also, you need to do something specific if you have... If you want somebody to inherit your intellectual property, like your copyright and trademark, all of that. So the reason that this is important, going back to the reason, will people argue and fight over your family heirlooms? Do you want a trust to be set up so that your pets are taken care of and there's no financial burden put on the caretaker? Do you want to make sure that there is no confusion about whether your spouse has the right to live in the house you occupied together? So you, you choose your words. Like I said, words, the meaning of words matters. Choose words that effectively convey ownership and title of your assets to take effect upon death so that it's legally enforceable. Do you want to leave a specific distribution to a specific person? Or to a class of persons like my children, my grandchildren, my nieces and nephews. That's why these words matter. Okay, so another legal principle that comes up when you're leaving a specific property to people is, what if it says in my will that I give my pickup truck to my middle son? What if after I sign that will, I sell that pickup truck and buy a sedan, automobile? Does my middle son get the sedan, automobile? No, because there's a legal principle called ademption, which means that if I get rid of the property that I've specifically uh, bequested, then he doesn't get it. Because it's gone. You can't trace the funds from a sold uh, thing to uh, the thing that was bought afterwards. Hopefully that makes sense. And what if you have debts? Uh, Are the people that you've designated property to going to get the gift that you've given? Or does that property have to be sold to pay your debts? So there's this other legal principle called abatement where maybe a specific gift is not going to be given because it does have to be sold and the money used to pay debts. So these are all things that you have to work out if you want your will to be legally enforceable, if you want your intentions to be carried out and honored. you got to do it the right way. There's also general gifts, like if... If you say, uh, I leave everything I have to uh, John, Joe, and Sally equally. Well, that's more of a general gift. Okay, just want to remind everybody I'm celebrating today. This is our 141st unique episode. Uh, I've been on the air longer than 141 weeks, but sometimes we run reruns if I go out of town. Um, Christmas is on the weekend this year, so I probably won't have a live episode that day. If you want to weigh in on the episode that I run that day, email me at host at talklawradio.com, or you can post a comment on Facebook Or you can uh, call the radio station right now at 210-308-8867. Let me know what you would like to learn about when you're listening to Talk Law Radio on Christmas weekend. Okay, back to should the will be typed or handwritten. And the reason it matters is because a handwritten will doesn't have to have witnesses, but you do have to use the right words to make a handwritten will legally enforceable. And that's more difficult if you do that on your own with no legal training than if you uh, hire an attorney that focuses on last wills, living trusts, and tax-protected inheritance plans. There are times when we've taken a typed written internet will to the courthouse, and that, those, those wills are not the greatest because uh, you can still make mistakes with an internet will um, because it's not supervised by an attorney that knows how to make sure that they're going to be legally enforceable. Well, this is the fourth segment, and you know what that means, And
0: now, it's time for the Talk Law Radio Legacy Spotlight. What's Your Legacy?
1: Sponsored by Marquardt Law Firm. So, I'm going to be asking Lexi about her legacy today. And she's trying to take a nap, but if I get her favorite treat out, then she'll pay attention to me. Lexi, what's your favorite treat? She loves freeze-dried chicken. That's what she's eating here on the air. Lexi, how do you think that people are going to remember you? Well, if they ask me, it's going to be that she loves treats. Uh, She's very easy to train because she loves treats. And at PetSmart, they focus on uh, positive reinforcement, and that's through treats. Some other things that I can tell you about Lexi is she loves to chew bully sticks. She's a chewer, and so she has to have one every morning. And if you don't know what a bully stick looks like, it kind of looks like a cigar. And so I always ask her, are you ready for your cigar? But it's really a bully stick. Uh, Another thing that's funny about Lexi is uh, when we go for, we take a lot of walks, Uh, throughout the day, and uh, when we go for a walk, she likes to pick up trash, and she brings it back to the office, and I either throw it away or she chews it up. Uh, something, uh, Something else that's funny about Lexi is she likes to play with the ball, and she'll fetch it one time, and then she likes to play keep away for the rest of the day. She won't bring it back, and i could I could train her to bring it back, but I really just want her to be who she is she I allow her to be who she is i I don't always like for her to be barking at people, people that are clients, and so that's why we started the training so that she would be more friendly to people. And the the trainer said that maybe it was because she was uh, nervous or she didn't want strangers coming into her space. Something else that's funny about Lexi is she will stand on my lap and bite my nose. And when she was a puppy and she had sharp teeth, uh, she would frequently uh, scratch my nose. But she doesn't do that anymore. So what am I going to do with my legacy for Lexi? I'm going to set up a pet trust for her so that I can decide who her caretaker is, and I can decide how much money to set aside for her to make sure that she has a a good standard of living if I should depart the earth before before I reach old age. Okay, so she's going to go back to sleep because I... I stopped giving her treats um, and started talking about the law that usually puts her to sleep. So in a pet trust, we can name a caregiver and we can name somebody to manage the money. And I like to separate those two things because it's like a checks and balances system. We have uh, somebody who can manage the money, make sure that it's growing, make sure that it's not lost, and we have somebody who can uh, be a great caretaker who's going to make sure that she always goes to her annual appointments and gets her vaccinations and that she has plenty of bully sticks. They're not cheap. Okay, well, we're wrapping up our show today. Thank you for joining us on Talk Law Radio. Um, Next week, um, it's probably going to be a recorded episode, so weigh in on that. Email me at host at talklawradio.com. I'll talk to you later.